And I am you And you are me It's just a crazy storm Hi everyone, I'm Peter Hardy. And I'm Felice. Together we spent half a lifetime travelling to just about every corner of the world, making a living as travel writers out of what we like doing best, and that's skiing, biking, hiking, eating... Exploring, city breaks, seaside, shopping, and a whole lot more. Action Pack gives us each week the opportunity to share with you on the show some of these great experiences. And the amazing people we meet along the way. You can find out much more about us on our website, actionpacktravel.com. You'll also find a load of detailed information here about the holidays, the places and the activities that we mention. How to get there, where to stay, what it costs and other useful stuff. To us, the winter and spring months mean lots of skiing. It's our obsession, our premier profession. But you know, life's not just all about going downhill. We also like sunny beaches, crazy cities and the call of the wild. Like looking at lions in the Serengeti or walking our dogs in the Hampshire Hills. So let's get straight to the action. But first, a word from a couple of our friends in Val d'Isère. This week's show is brought to you by Snowbury, voted the best ski and boot rental shop in Europe. Jock and Susan Dunn landed up here from Edinburgh some 30 years ago. At Snowbury, they've redefined the whole business of boot and ski hire. These guys do really know what they're doing. And as Jock says, if you go into a rental shop and they ask for your size and then hand you a pair of boots to try on, simply walk out. That's not how you do it. That's just a recipe for discomfort and blisters that will ruin your holiday. And then there's the skis. Talk to Snowbury. They get it right. So this week we're skiing, or rather talking about it, to veteran ski writer Arnie Wilson. For many years he was ski correspondent of the Financial Times and he's the man who knows more about ski resorts around the world than anyone else on the planet. Arnie, welcome to the show. Very kind of you to ask me. Now, you and I have skied together in dozens of resorts around the world over rather more years than I care to acknowledge. Let's just say that our time on snow covers literally thousands of acres of piste and powder, and it stretches deep into the last century. Actually, very deep indeed. People are usually pretty impressed when I say that I've skied in so many different resorts, but my experiences pale into utter insignificance compared with yours. Arnie Wilson, you've skied in more resorts than anyone else ever, alive or dead. At the last count, it was an astonishing 737 in 31 countries. You know, you should be in the Guinness Book of Records, but, of course, you are in the Guinness Book of Records for skiing every day of a whole year back in 1994. So I guess my first question is why? You must like it a lot. What's so special about skiing? It's a very good question, and I often ask myself the same question. It didn't really start to feature in my life till I was 30, which is quite late, and it happened by accident, as nice things tend to do sometimes. And um, a friend of mine who ran a ski magazine asked if I'd like to go to Verbier. And I then had my first wife and two children. And uh, so I took them to Verbier. And I'd only been on a, on a school trip. Uh, and I thought I could ski. I was completely wrong. And I made a complete fool of myself, pretending to be able to ski. Uh, got I got put on what they called a blood wagon which is where the pisteurs or the people look after the slopes, they rescue you in a kind of mobile toboggan. And uh, I suddenly realized, well, no, I gradually realized that all my thoughts, uh, rather grand thoughts that I was a good skier, were complete nonsense. Uh, and so I thought, well, maybe I should learn to ski. And I started to go on the occasional visit to the mountains and uh, liked it quite a lot. And so it went on for a bit, and I was writing travel stories and ski stories. And then, 
something rather extraordinary happened. Um, a very dear friend of yours and mine, Peter, uh, who worked for the Financial Times as the leisure editor, very tragically died uh, in the mountains, and his replacement didn't ski. And he rang me and said, well, Arnie, you have in the past occasionally deputized for Arthur, that was the guy who died, uh, would you like to look after our skiing? And I could hardly believe it, and nor did I expect it to last, but it lasted for between 15 and 20 years, so I, I was the Financial Times ski correspondent. So after that, I had no choice. I had to really start to ski well and learn about lots of resorts. So the question you and I get asked all the time is, what's your favorite resort? You've been to so many, there must be one that you actually love more than any other. Yes, you're right. We all get asked that question, and... I'm so used to answering it, I almost don't give it any thought because there's one outstanding resort for reasons that are not necessarily shared by other people entirely, but my favorite resort is a place called Jackson Hole, and it's a very wild, wonderful bit of country, and you like it, I know Peter too. Uh, the mountains are possibly more like the Alps there. They're called the Tetons, and they're more like the Alps than most American mountains. Uh, there's wonderful wildlife. And the skiing is, is quite challenging, and uh, all in all, it became my favorite resort as soon as I went there back in the mid-80s, and I've been going back almost every other year since then. Um, America's always been bigger than Europe for you. Is there some reason why you, you particularly love skiing in, in the States? I, again, it's something deep inside me. I, I, I do have a theory, which I may have mentioned to you before, in that I think a lot of men of my age, and possibly younger, were brought up on a diet of Western movies, and so there's something very magical about, you know, even if some of the Western movies were not really based on reality, there's something magical about going skiing or visiting, even in the summer, places which might have featured in the Western movies. I mean, when I was much younger, I, I saw a lot of Westerns, on television and at the cinema. And I think in reverse, I think the reasons the Americans, I think the reason many Americans like to ski in Europe is because they love the history uh, of the Alps and they feel they, they benefit from enjoying knowing that the Alps have a much longer history than the Rockies, I suppose, but uh, just, just a theory. A apart from the obvious states like Colorado, Wyoming, California, how many states can you actually ski in in America, and how many of them have you actually skied in? Well, I took great pride in skiing every state in America where you can ski, and that goes from you know the wonderful places in Colorado and Utah uh, right down to extraordinary places that nobody believes you can actually ski in. Uh, the most interesting, perhaps, is Alabama. People look at me as if I'm nuts if I say I've skied in Alabama, and indeed... Some of these places in the more weird states, I say weird in terms of skiing, uh, I think they call them feeders, breeders, and leaders. And so breed every state which has even one tiny resort, like Alabama, you can hardly call it a resort, is a, a breeder of skiers. And they will then go on to a feeder, which might be a, a bigger state. Uh, and then you get the leaders, which are obviously Colorado and California and some of the East Coast uh, states. So when I did this trip in 1994, skiing every day for a year, which is, as you say, is in the Guinness Book of Records, a lot of the skiing was done in America. And it's all, it always haunted me slightly that when that year was over, there were still a few states I hadn't skied in. So over the years, I've made it a pleasure 
and a challenge, and I have a great mate in America with whom I did this. I did three more trips to America specifically to tick off all the states where skiing is possible, uh, which I hadn't skied in 1994. And this was fascinating because some states were uh, unexpectedly good and some were pretty average, but I just ticked them all off. And I think there are now one or two states no longer have skiing, which did have skiing back in 1994. But there are now, I think, 38 states where it is possible to ski. And I've done them all, uh, either once or twice or many times. What's the, uh, the most unlikely of those ones? Well, I think Alabama, Cloudmont, um, extraordinary place where you can actually play golf. Uh, or s I don't think you can swim on the same day but you can play golf uh, at this resort. And the actual resort, I think, has two lifts. And, or maybe it's just got one lift and two runs, and one of which is, we would say, intermediate, possibly, and one's a beginner. And the intermediate one is only better than, or more challenging than the beginner one, because it has one or two bumps in it. And uh, the people that run this resort, and it's still open, it still has skiers, and before one is completely dismissive, they have never borrowed a penny from the bank because no bank would be stupid enough to lend them any money to run such a ski resort. So they are very proud of the fact that they uh, run this resort without any help from any bank. And they have a very good rental place. And they can, you know, you may not be great skiing, but you get good skis. And they're, they're very proud of the fact that there is skiing in Alabama, unlikely though it may be. So... When people come from Europe and uh, go skiing in the States, they tend, to obviously, to go to the Rockies. They go to California, uh, and sometimes they go to the East Coast. Is East Coast skiing any good? It is, actually. It's quite good. In fact, it's more than quite good. I mean, some of the Vermont resorts, which is probably the state that's best known for skiing, uh, have got very good skiing, and it's, it's usually because it's a bit lower, because the, the mountains there are lower than the Rockies, you're normally skiing in the woods, which gives the f it gives it a nice flavour that you are skiing between the trees or in the trees, maybe. And there are lots of resorts. I think there were about five or six states on the east. We c we say the east coast, but I mean, in the e in eastern America, uh, where there is very good skiing. And certainly, you wouldn't be disappointed. It, it may not be Aspen, it may not be Vail, but it's certainly good skiing. And then there are resorts like Taos in New Mexico, which are slightly different to the mainstream rocky resorts, aren't they? Yeah, Taos is a fascinating place, uh, a bit of a cult resort, I think. It was run by a guy called, or started by a guy called Ernie Blake, whose real name was Ernest Bloch. And he, was, uh, he fled from the Nazis, and because of his association with Germany and the Nazi period, he named some of the runs after interesting people. And one of them is Stauffenberg, or von Stauffenberg, and that was named after a German officer who tried to assassinate Hitler, failed and was in fact executed. But uh, much later on, I came across von Stauffenberg's son. I think it was his son, it could have been his grandson, but I think it was his son. Anyway, I asked him whether, he told me he'd been to, to Taos and I imagined that he would be terribly emotional about skiing. His, I think he was his father, his father's run. And uh, he kind of surprised me in a way, but also, perhaps typically German, did not want to get emotional about skiing his father's run. So I said, oh, it must have been amazing to ski your father's run. I don't want to uh, be emotional about this. It was a good run, he said, and I enjoyed it, but uh, I don't want to read that I cried when I skied my father's run. So anyway, that's one aspect of, of Taos. 
and it is a special place and it's one of the resorts that you can't really classify. It's got a life of its own, I guess, and there, there are others. I mean, Lake Tahoe is a place that is absolutely fascinating to be a skier or even just to be there not skiing. Uh, Lake Tahoe is divided between uh, California and... Nevada. Nevada, thank you. And I think there are about 14 resorts spread around the lake, and you can actually visit one after the other, and they're all very different. But it's quite something to be by a beautiful lake. I think it's the second highest lake, in certainly in America, and to be able to visit all these amazing ski resorts, and in fact one of them, Heavenly, uh, is in both states, Nevada and California, and so you can start the day in California, go up to the top, ski down into Nevada, and then come back. So you actually ski in two states on the same uh, on the same day. And you can gamble in one of them. You certainly can. I think that might be Nevada. I think it might be too. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, there's Sun Valley, which is, I think, one of America's oldest resorts. Yeah, that's uh, a lovely place to ski. And as you say, it's 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 quite traditional. I think. Sun Valley opened in the in the late 30s, so by comparison with many other uh, American ski resorts, it's really quite early, and uh, it attracts a lot of interesting people. I was lucky enough to bump into Arnold Schwarzenegger there and ski with him. He reluctantly allowed me to ski with him for a bit, and I interviewed him for the Financial Times, not knowing, because the cunning so-and-so withheld the information, I don't blame him, that he was having major heart surgery the next day. <laughs> So that did not appear in my interview, but I, uh, it was still worth uh, getting to know him slightly and skiing with him. And uh, I also I also met Clint Eastwood there, uh, had a very nice lunch with him. That was complete by chance. I, I was sitting down for lunch, and lo and behold, he was at the next table. So uh, me being me, I couldn't resist, and he was extremely charming and nice and um, asked about what I was doing there and this kind of thing. So that was lovely to speak to, Cl to Clint. Uh, meet Clint, uh, linger over lunch a little bit, and to ski with Schwarzenegger, who was later, to my great amusement, asked, without thinking, uh, where do you like to ski, Mr. Schwarzenegger? And he said, well, I love being in, in Sun Valley, Idaho. And he was remanded, sorry, he was reprimanded later uh, by the powers that be in California, where he was the governor, and he was told, you're supposed to say that you like skiing in California, not in Idaho. But anyway, that was quite funny. Okay, so moving on from uh, the United States, have you skied in Canada at all? Yes, I've done quite a bit of skiing in Canada, um, a lot of heli skiing, and of course heli skiing is very popular in Canada. It's very expensive too. I normally only do it for three days before I start to worry about cost. But um, it's the real thing in Canada because what I mean by that is uh, real heli skiing is where you stay in a heli skiing lodge in the middle of nowhere and that's all there is to do. You wake up in the morning, uh, you go heli skiing, you have lunch on the mountain. Heli skiing, Arnie, just remind us what heli skiing really means, what it is. Well, really, I don't want to make it sound uh, undramatic and unromantic, but it is simply a way of transporting skiers to parts of the mountains where they couldn't get to normally for wonderful powder, if you're lucky. But it's just away from the lift system. You don't have to be a fantastic skier, as long as you can manage off-piste. There's a kind of a lot of mythology attached to, to heli-skiing. Uh, the most common I've come across constantly is, oh, is that where you jump out of the helicopter in mid-air, uh, like James Bond? Well, I don't think James Bond ever did jump out of a helicopter to heli-ski. 
And anyway, this is a fallacy. But uh, as I say, I don't want to make it sound banal, but it is really a taxi service which takes, depending on the size of the helicopter, it can be 11 people plus a guide or it can be five or four people plus a guide. And you ski behind the guide and you don't ski in front of him because uh, he knows when to stop and whether to avoid uh, any problems or to avoid crevasses and this kind of thing. It's just exhilarating, great fun. If you like off-piece skiing, you can't really beat heli skiing. And then moving on from North America, um, I guess next on our trip around the world is South America, where you can ski in, I think, two countries or three countries? Yeah, the main skiing in South America, really the only skiing, honestly, is Chile and Argentina on either side of the Andes. Uh, the people are lovely on both sides of the mountains. They're very different. The Chileans are quite quiet and reserved, uh, but very friendly. And the Argentinians are very sort of Italian, uh, even though they speak Spanish, they have an I Italian sort of uh, ancestry. And the skiing is, is wonderful. Uh, a lot of volcano skiing in Chile, on the Chilean side of the, of the Andes. And it's not that the mountains are necessarily that much higher than the Rockies or the Alps, but they're wild and it's lovely to ski, uh, listen to the language, Spanish. I don't speak Spanish, but it, it gives an extra romantic uh, twist, I suppose, to the skiing. And it's just a completely different experience. And people say, oh, can you ski in South America? Well, is there really any skiing? And you say, well, actually, yes. They have mountains just like us in Europe, and they, they have mountains just like us in America. And yes, they have skiing, and they have, in fact, something like 30 or 40 ski resorts in, in the Andes, either side of the Andes, including the volcanoes. You don't actually ski from the top of the volcanoes unless you climb up. If you really want to, you can always walk up on and carry your skis. But normally, there are, uh, if you like, there are a few small resorts at near the foot of volcanoes, so you can get lifts going up to the lower reaches of the volcano. And it, you can see the volcanoes smoking if you like, when you get off the lift, which is quite dramatic. And what's your favorite resort in South America? Oh, that's difficult. Um, I think Portillo is, is lovely. I have, I've, I've been there a few times. That's right on the border. It's one of the few places where if you just go slightly over the top of the, of the, of the pass, you are in Argentina, but Portillo is actually in Chile. That's one of my favorites, I think. Uh, Las Leñas is probably the most difficult skiing. Um, and if you That's like in Argentina. Oh, sorry, yes. Las Lenas in Argentina, where there's one lift called Marte, or Mars, which is the key to all the really good off-piece skiing. And if that lift is closed because of an avalanche risk or because of bad visibility, then you don't get to the really good, what I would call the good off-piece stuff. And they did have heli-skiing there at one stage, no longer, but I think they have cat-skiing. Now, that's something... It's a bit like poor man's heli-skiing, it's 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 a, like a big pieced groomer, the one they use to prepare the slopes, but actually it's used to transport skiers, and so you can you can visit terrain that you might visit if you're heli skiing, although not so much of it. So it's, if you like, it's if the, if you can't get into the helicopter for some reason that the, there's bad weather, you can still in some resorts, not just South America, but uh, in, al in also in Canada, uh, you can actually get into a um, a pieced groomer and it's used as to transport you up the mountain. So that's another form of skiing that you can enjoy. And then moving on from South America, let's go uh, to Australia and New Zealand. Australia first. Is it really worth going all that way to ski? 
I wouldn't think, to be totally honest, I love skiing in Australia, and I love Australia, but to go all that way, as I once did, just to ski in Australia, um, probably not, because you're saying effectively, well, why go to Australia when you can ski in the Rockies, the Alps, uh, the the Andes? But if you're going to be in Australia anyway, or perhaps you're in New Zealand, where the skiing is actually pretty damn good, uh, then it's certainly worth trying the skiing while you are there. And if they get a good snow season, which it doesn't happen every year, um, there are three or four resorts in Victoria and New South Wales which are the main ski resorts in Australia. They are, they're worth visiting if you're interested in skiing. And, uh, of course, you find sometimes that, as I did once, there are some people from the east coast of Australia, Brisbane or Queensland, They've never seen snow before. And I remember a group of them turning up at this lodge I was at in Australia. And I said, how, how was the skiing? They said, oh, it was amazing, mate. Um, uh, all, all they'd had during the day was some sleet. And the skiing was OK, but they were thrilled with it. And they said, actually, there was th we, w we really enjoyed it. But um, Helen over there, she didn't have such a good day. And I said, well, what was wrong? And she said, they said, oh, she thought it was a little bit sort of cold. So I went over to Helen and I said, how was your day? And she said, it was okay. And uh, she said, it was a bit icy. So I said, well, what did you expect? I was hoping it would be a little bit fluffier, she said. <laughs> <laughs> uh, New Zealand, it's got very good heli skiing. Uh, it's got numerous uh, resorts. They claim in New Zealand to have more mountains than the Alps. I've, I've always disputed that, but certainly they have some serious mountains. You can ski, ski on both islands, is that right? Oh, yes. Well, you can, yes, definitely. Most of the skiing is on South Island, but North Island, which doesn't have so many mountains, it does have volcanoes, and I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say this, but there is one resort which you can variously hear referred to as Whakapapa, Wakapapa, or Whakapapa. Uh, and the correct Maori pronunciation is, I'm afraid, whakapapa. But uh, if you're in mixed company, it's probably safer to say whakapapa or wakapapa. That's on its day when the weather's good. The thing about the volcanoes is that they attract bad weather because they're central to North Island. And for some reason, that brings in wind and snow. And But on a good day, if you catch it right, it's probably some of the best skiing in New Zealand. So leaving that area, that part of the world, let's go uh, uh, across the Pacific and um, where should we go? Japan. Well, I love Japan. I've skied all over Japan. I've, I've probably been there about 10 times. So tell me about Japanese ski resorts. Are they similar to American ones or, or, or European ones? No, it's a very different experience. Uh, some of the resorts are called onsen, which means they are spa resorts. So there's a lot of hot water. You can... It's like having a spa and a ski resort in the same place. You have to be careful. Some of the, some of the hot water sources get very hot. And in fact, in one resort, they actually cook vegetables in one of them, so you don't want to fall in. <laughs> uh, the the powder is fantastic in most places. Uh, it's known for powder both on Hokkaido, which is a sort of northeastern island, where they get snow coming in from Siberia, which is is the explanation of why they get such good snow. Honshu Island uh, is, the, is the main area where they had the 1998 Olympics. And actually, the mountains there are higher, and the resorts are very good, but the, s the real snow, the ones that people talk about mainly, comes in Hokkaido. So you've got a choice. You can either go Honshu 
and enjoy the Olympic areas to ski, uh, which is Haponi, which is the main downhill area. Uh, or you can go to Hokkaido and enjoy the great powder they have there, but the, the mountains are not quite so spectacular. But either way, it's a fascinating place in which to ski, and the food is, is also interesting. The problem is you don't know what to ask for unless you speak Japanese, so you have to almost point at the food you might want, and if you're lucky, you, you get it. The other thing about Japan is uh, that skiing off-piste uh, is not encouraged in some resorts, and they've, they've had to learn that if they want to have... European and American guests, and indeed New Zealand guests, uh, which which does happen when they had the Olympics in '98, they had uh, New Zealand skiers. Perhaps they were coming here to work, and they were jumping off cliffs and doing crazy things, and they almost came to blows with the ski patrol because the, the culture was so different from New Zealand, and so a lot of resorts have had to had to turn a blind eye to skiing off piste. Uh, even though they don't particularly want you to. So many, it, you're still working in or skiing in a situation where, depending on the resort, uh, skiing off-piste is discouraged or you can get away with it. So there's the down, it's quite ironic, I suppose, that having got such good powder, that skiing off-piste isn't always encouraged. Although I think it's right, I'm right in saying that in the sort of famous resorts like Niseko now, it's sort of pretty commonplace. Yeah, Niseko is definitely... Uh, a leader in, I mean, a, a, lot of a lot of Australians got property because obviously Australia, uh, as the crow flies, as it were, is not that far away from Japan. And that's the reason the Australians tend to go there than, than rather than go to the Rockies or to Europe. And they kind of, uh, it, they almost took over Niseko. And so Niseko is known as being a sort of cosmopolitan international skier with great powder. And even today, as, as I understand it, uh, off-piste is not exactly encouraged, but it's not discouraged. So moving away across the world now, we'll uh, zoom back to Europe, um, uh, to the Alps, first of all. Is a, what's the big resort for you? That's difficult. I, I love the Dolomites, uh, which obviously is not a resort as such. I love skiing in Italy, um, uh, particularly the Dolomites. I suppose, to be honest, um, one can't ignore the fact that Val d'Isere is probably the best ski resort in the Alps, for me anyway, and for many other people. Uh, Verbier is, is great. Those are the two places I would, I suppose, say are the ones that most people would like to ski in. Austria at all? The resort with the most challenging skiing is probably St. Anton, and then close second would be Kitzbühel. That's just me. I'm not saying that that is how everybody will feel, but St. Anton has got world-class skiing, uh, on, on, a, on a level, I think, with Val d'Isere, honestly. And Kitzbühel has got all the, it's got the walled town, it's got the, the famous Hanenkam race. You can't really fault uh, Kitzbühel at all, so it depends what you want. If you, if you want pure, if you're a skiing purist, you go to those resorts. If you want a quieter time, and a more, more perhaps a slightly more picturesque time, you might, you might look at the Dolomites. What about someone like Zermatt or? Oh, well, Zermatt, you can't really... Zermatt is un incomparable. It's, it's wonderful. It's got the Matterhorn, uh, about which one American allegedly said, hey, look at that rock. It's a great rock. Someone should give it a name. Um, <laughs> yes, Zermatt is, is a wonderful place. Again, expensive. But you c and, and, and I think another thing to consider about some of these places is if you don't ski, and but you're with a skiing partner... Uh, would you have a good time if you didn't ski? And I, I do know that Zermatt qualifies there. You could spend a whole week or two weeks in Zermatt 
and never put a pair of skis on and have a great time because it's got so much else going on for it. You'll probably spend a lot of money. A lot of money. But you'd eat very well. <laughs> exactly. So then I think last year uh, you skied in uh, Iceland. I've been to Iceland a couple of times, yes. Um, the actual ski resorts as such are quite small, um, but you can heli-ski in Iceland. And, of course, Iceland is such a wild place that there's almost no limit. To that you can do first tracks almost over the whole country wherever there's snow. You can ski down to the, to the, to the waterfront because it's so, it's so little known as a skiing area that if you, if you decide to go heli-skiing, you can keep going and visiting new places and ski new runs uh, almost endlessly. So, so there's no limit to the amount of skiing you can do. But if you go to the small, if you go to the ski resorts per se with the ski lifts, then you will find them quite, quite small and limited. And you, you probably, uh, you know, unless you visit two or three in one day, you're, you're not going to get an awful lot of skiing. And Scotland, we haven't mentioned Scotland. I'm quite a fan of Scotland. Uh, I haven't skied there a lot. It's a little bit like some places that if you get the snow, like Australia, I'm not trying to say Australia and Scotland are similar, but it, in a good ski year, a good snow year, then Scotland has got a lot, a lot going for it. Um, the trouble is with Scotland is it's kind of unpredictable. And, you know, it can be quite stormy. You can have difficult times skiing in Scotland. What, what, I, what really impressed me about Scotland was the mountains. If you didn't know that they were not as tall as the Alps... They're very, very impressive mountains and very beautiful mountains, and it almost doesn't matter that their actual height. I mean, the thing about Iceland, just to go back to Iceland for a second, is that the mountains go right down to the sea level. So a lot of mountains uh, depend on where they start, if you like, where the ski slopes start. And, and I think because Scotland uh, just looks adorable and the mountains look adorable, then on a good day, you could almost convince yourself you're in the Alps. And we haven't mentioned China, of course. We've got the Olympics coming up there. I think you skied some years ago in China. Yes, I went to China to ski in 2001, and it was all, all happening. Uh, the government had decided we're going to make skiing a Im very important industry. There were hundreds of ski resorts or ski places in China, but they were not developed. And what has happened since 2001 is that many of these places have been developed and they've, they've put snowmaking in so that they make skiing more possible. Uh, there's, certainly, there's certainly got some great skiing in China, but I'm not that wild about the idea of having the Olympics around Beijing when there's so much good skiing in the northeast, right up in the Russian border, where the real skiing is. And I suppose it was practical to decide to have the Olympics in Beijing but actually, if you really want a good skiing experience, I would recommend the Northeast and uh, way away from Beijing. So where haven't you been to? Is I know that there are something like 3,000 ski resorts in the world, and you've only been to a mere 737. Um, it may be difficult to get them all in in this lifetime. Yeah, I might need another couple of lifetimes. I've almost given up. I did once think that I might try and get to 1,000. And I think 737 is a, is a fairly good try. And the trouble is, every time you try and ski somewhere new, you've got to avoid all the obvious places. So you've got to actually deliberately set out. I mean, for example, I've never skied in the Lebanon or in Israel. I'm not sure I want to at the moment. Uh, it's all a little bit uncertain. 
There are places um, you could ski in Hawaii, for example. You haven't done that. Y- uh, you, well, you can't. You can only ski in Hawaii with a helicopter. There are no lifts in Hawaii. Oh, okay. Otherwise, it's not even a Land Rover. Uh, well, it's not on my list. But <laughs> <laughs> you can ski in Hawaii, and I haven't skied there, so you could say that I haven't skied in every state in America. But I've skied in every state in America which has a lift of some sort. Fair enough. And Alaska, have you skied there? I have skied in Alaska. It's very good skiing in Alaska. Uh, not as cold as you might imagine. I've been there two or three times. And again, heli skied there, which is very, very good, with Tommy Moe, who won the um, downhill uh, in 1994 as one of the guides. And actually, I was involved in a very small avalanche. And he came to my rescue and gave me one of his skis because I lost a ski in the avalanche. And he skied down... He's a wonderful skier. He skied down on on one ski, and you would never guess because it was off-piste, obviously, because it was heli-skiing. Because you couldn't see that he only had one ski, you would be forgiven for thinking he was on two skis. And he was so impressive on one ski, having given me one of his skis. So that was quite that was something that happened in Alaska. Extraordinary. Yeah. And then Russia, of course, we haven't mentioned that. Yes. Um, you, and you and I went to Russia, didn't we, just before the uh, did. Sochi Olympics? Yes, and I think there were four or five resorts. Some of them had been built specially for the Olympics, Sochi, and there was one that had been around for a few years. But I think I think the general level of skiing, uh, I don't know if you would agree, uh, was pretty good. And uh, certainly a novel experience to say you've skied in Russia. I'm not sure if I'd rush back to ski them, but uh, it's, it's again, it's, if you're in, it's a bit like Australia. If you're there anyway, and you're interested in skiing, why not just go skiing? It doesn't have to be the best in the world. Uh, so you ski with some pretty famous people. Uh, I mean, putting aside uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Clint Eastwood, um, who else have you skied with? Well, there was a guy. Well, Franz Klammer. I think even people who don't ski would possibly remember Franz Klammer, who, who's arguably the best skier since the war, uh, who won the uh, downhill in 1976, and I think he won five Hanenkams. He most people revere him. He's a, such, such a nice guy, and I've skied with him several times, and I, I once went on a, a race training camp with him in America, actually. Um, yeah, Klammer, and also there was a guy called Stein Eriksson, who was a very famous Norwegian skier, and I skied with him uh, in Deer Valley in Utah a couple of times, and there were a couple of nice stories about him. He, he invented something, uh, I think it was called something, the forward, it's like a sort of ballet thing on skis, it was, f- it, was uh, it was like a f- swan dive, I think it was called. And he was known for this swan dive. And he was out skiing on Stein's run one day, which is the name of his own run, as it were. And a woman saw him fall over, which is unheard of. Stein Eriksson doesn't fall over. Olympic skier. Anyway, he did fall over. And I think, it, I think the weather was not great. The visibility was not great. And she saw him fall, and she thought that he had done one of his swan dives. And so she said to him in a loud voice, Stein, could you do that again? My husband wasn't watching. (laughs) And other celebrities you've skied with? Well, I suppose you'd call her a celebrity. Carol Thatcher. Uh, She was obviously Margaret Thatcher's daughter. She was for quite a while uh, a ski journalist like the rest of us and uh, skied with her a few times. And on one occasion, she blamed me, but I think it was one of those things that just happened mutually, if you like, mutual attraction. I was skiing next to her. And we caught each other a glancing blow, and she came off worse and uh, tumbled into the snow, lost her skis, got up, brushed all the snow off, and looked at me slightly crossly and said, 
gosh, Arnie, it's a good job I'm not a fragile blonde. <laughs> and then another occasion, we were skiing in Italy, and I volunteered to take the packed lunches. We were skiing off-piste. This was Cormier in Italy, and I volunteered to take the various people's packed lunch in my rucksack. And she said, Arnie, would you, would you also take my notebook? And I said, sure. So I took a notebook, and then she announced to the assembled company, uh, everybody, if Arnie falls into a crevasse, please rescue my notes. <laughs> Thanks, Arnie. It's been great having you on the show. Arnie Wilson, everyone, the guy who skied in more resorts than anyone else on Earth. So that's it for this week. Thank you for listening to our first action-packed show. We'll be back next week. Meanwhile, do visit our website at www.actionpacktravel.com and please follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And I am you just a crazy storm